So there's a uh, tradition of stories that uh, dates back to the first and second century. When to be a Christian or a Jew in the Roman Empire uh, meant to be a persecuted minority. And, um, and so there was this tradition of, uh, of stories about Jewish rabbis or Christian bishops that were brought before the emperor to defend their faith. And some of these uh, people defended their faith with their lives, and some of these people defended their faith with their words. Uh, there are stories about, um, about uh, emperors that would uh, bring in Jewish and Christian leaders and um, would sort of uh, would, would test them. Um, try out different arguments on them and, and see if uh, see if they could defend their faith. Kind of making kind of making a sport of it. Uh, when um, when there were times when the the the, the emperors were experiencing uh, political trouble at home, um, it was often safe and easy to kick around Christians and Jews. And so these bishops and these rabbis would be brought before uh, the emperor and they would be made to defend their faith. There's a story I, I really love that comes out of this tradition. Uh, it's one of those, I don't know if it's true, but it's a good story. And uh, it's about a guy named uh, Rabbi Joshua and uh, he's brought before the emperor Hadrian. And the emperor Hadrian, wanting to test him a little bit, uh, brings him into this room full of these marble busts, these marble statues. And, uh, and he takes Rabbi Joshua around and he shows them each of these statues. And the first statue he shows them is of the goddess Venus. He says, I want you to look at this statue, at, this, uh, at Venus, at her lovely face, the goddess of love here. I want you to notice how beautiful she is. And, and because uh, her, her worshipers can see this statue, they know how beautiful she is, and they worship her out of love. And then uh, he takes uh, Rabbi Joshua and shows him the face of the god of war, Mars. And says, look how fearsome and scary and warrior-like his face is. Uh, his worshipers see his face and they worship him out of fear. And then uh, he takes him and shows him a third statue. It's this regal, kingly statue. It's a statue of Jupiter, the king of all the gods. And he says, look at, at how, much, uh, how, how regal and king-like Jupiter's face is. His worshipers see his face, and then they worship him out of respect. So he says to, he says to Joshua, what does your God look like? How do the people that worship your God know how to worship him? And of course, Joshua, uh, being a, uh, a, a good Jew, uh, said, well, um, we can't see God. Our God is invisible. We worship the invisible God, and uh, the Torah says no one can, uh, can look at God's face and yet live. And... Uh, then um, Hadrian, the Emperor Hadrian, having a little sport with him, says, uh, well, you know, if you can't see God's face, how do you know what he's like? How can you worship him? 
Um, how can you worship a God whose face you can't even see? And uh, so Rabbi Joshua takes Hadrian outside into the courtyard and says, uh, I want to show you how to see God's face. So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to look up and stare directly into the sun. And the Emperor Hadrian's face changes. He says, says, oh, you scheme to make your emperor blind, do you? I ought to have you locked up and thrown away. And uh, and, uh, and, and Rabbi Joshua says, says, no, you can't stare directly into the sun, can you? He says, of course not. Well, the sun is just one of God's creations. And if you can't look at the creator and love, how can you hope to look at God and love? who shines brighter, who shines greater. And of course, the emperor was speechless. It's something we instinctively get, isn't it? Christians and Jews, we kind of share this tradition. God is invisible. Uh, There's a song in our hymnal that says, Immortal, invisible, God-only wise, in light and accessible, hid from our eyes. Right? Even in the brightest light of day, we can't see God. Looking into God is like staring directly into the sun. Remember from our, uh, from our uh, journey through the book of Exodus, uh, we talked about this. Moses wanted to see God's glory. He wanted to see God's face. He said, show me your face so I'll know who it is who is leading us. And God says, I can't show you my face. No one can see the Lord's face and yet live, but I'll let you see my glory. And so he hides Moses in the cleft of the rock. And God, with his hand, covers Moses' eyes as he walks past. And he lets go, and Moses is able to see God walking away and behold his glory. And the whole time he's doing it, he's saying, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Because you see, we can know what God is like. We can know his attributes. We can know him relationally, but we can't see him. We can't see him with our own eyes. We might as well be staring directly into the sun. Paul in the 13th chapter of Corinthians says, we, we see as through a glass darkly. We see like dim shadows through darkened glass, but we can't see God face to face this side of eternity. Does anyone... Uh, Remember uh, half a year ago now when we had the, uh, the, the solar eclipse? And uh, uh, like for two months leading up to the solar eclipse, like every newscast, everything on the radio, every other post on Facebook was telling everyone the same thing. Do not, under any circumstances, look at the solar eclipse with the naked eye, right? Right? Everyone got the warning. In school, you all were hearing it. Do not look at it. 
It will jack up your eyes. You will be struck blind. You will die. Right? We heard it over and over and over and over. And so everyone was racing out to get those uh, 99 cent cardboard glasses that they were selling on Amazon for $100, right? Um, so that they could see the, uh, the solar eclipse. Well, it snuck up on Crystal and I. We, uh, we didn't, weren't able to get those uh, cardboard glasses because uh, they were a little out of our price, price range by the time we were shopping for them. And, uh, and so we made these eclipse viewers. These little, uh, uh, we took up one of the big uh, Pop-Tart boxes and, and poked a hole in it and it had like a white piece of paper. And if we stood with our backs to the sun, we could, uh, we could see like a shadow of what the eclipse looked like. And so... The time came, and like two good Kentuckians, we were in our lawn chairs out in the front yard with our backs to the sun, just looking at that solar eclipse. And um, I mean, but just looking at like the shadows on the white piece of paper and being like, this kind of stinks, right? I know like the real thing is much more beautiful and much more exciting than this. I wonder if it hurt. <laughs> just to look at it for a second just like like a quick a quick glimpse and before like the smart part of my brain could tell the not smart part of my brain not to do that like i i just i just lifted the box down i looked up for like a split second i saw wow and then like jerk jerk my head away now i instantly regretted it like, I could see the little, like, I could still see the sun, like, in my eye, kind of, like, purple there. And I was like, those pixels are gone. <laughs> like, that, like, my entire life, that's going to be right there, right? And, uh, and I, just, I just knew I had been struck blind. And a, a week later, we were singing Applebee's. I got this shinger, shimmer in the corner of my eye. And while I was sitting there, that shimmer like grew and grew and grew until I was kind of seeing kind of blurry. And I thought, well, this is it. <laughs> like this is the second takes a while. <laughs> right? I'm going blind. And all I could think, like I wasn't worried about, oh, now I'm going to have to start counting steps to the door. I'm going to have to get a seeing eye dog. I'm going to have to learn Braille. I wasn't worried about any of that. I was worried about the news media. And how like they were going to cover this as a story and like local idiot from G Virginia stares into the sun and just like the humiliation it was going to bring on me and my family, right? And uh, luckily I drops clear whatever that was. The point is this. We, we can peek at the sun. We can, we're not supposed to. Don't do it. We can peek at the sun. We can get a little glimpse. But God, nothing. God, we're stuck on this side of life with our backs to him, looking at the shadow of his glory on a white piece of paper. Right? As, as, as dazzling as, as all the things God does in our life, as amazing the, the glimpses we get of him in the sunset and in creation and, and, and through his holy word, as incredible as all of those things are, Paul says they're dim shadows through darkened glass. It's, it's, it's shadows on the back 
of a Pop-Tart box, really. We can't really see God, right? We can't really see his face and know what he's like, unless, unless we can. I think you could turn with me to the book of Colossians. I left my normal Bible at the last church, and so I'm just uh, figuring out where it is here. Talk amongst yourselves. One. All right. Um, and so uh, I'm going to start reading at verse 9, 9 through 20. Hear now the word of our Lord. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, We have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share the in the inheritance of his holy people and the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. So when you're reading the Apostle Paul, it's important to, uh, to pay attention to the movement, how he moves from one idea to the other. Sometimes that tells you as much as the words themselves. Uh, this is one of the things that we're, uh, we're talking about in our Romans Bible study, right? Paul always starts out by, by, you know, by telling you the depth of your sin. But it's the movement that's important. He's going to move from that bad news always to good news. And that movement from bad news to good news tells you something about what God is up to. Um, uh, Paul likes to, uh, likes to talk about the law and then talk about grace. Talk about the law and then talk about the spirit. Talk about the law and then talk about grace, right? This back and forth movement between those two things. He's telling you something important by doing that, right? The movement from one idea to the other is important. 
Sometimes he, he, uh, he gives you like this overall picture of the Christian life and then, then the camera lens zooms in and then he talks about one small part of it. The movement's important. Look at this passage with me real quick. I want to show you what I mean. Okay, so starting with verse 9. When I read it, it probably confused you. And there's a reason for that. It's confusing, right? It's confusing the way Paul words this, all right? It's, it's a prayer. And he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is one sentence we're in the middle of, by the way. Glorious might so that... Da, 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 da. All right? And, and here's what's going on. Here's why it's confusing. Here's Paul uh, is talking about the whole trinity here. I don't know if you noticed that. He starts, about, he starts out talking about the Spirit and how the Spirit empowers us to live a godly life. And then he backs up and talks about, we, live, we, we have that Spirit because God has accepted us into his kingdom. And then he backs up and says, God has accepted us into his kingdom because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. But he does it backwards. And that's the part that's confusing, and that's the part that's hard to follow. Um, the way a good preacher would do it, Right, someone that didn't want to confuse his hearers, as we would say, he would pray the prayer forward, and it would make sense, and it would say like this: "I pray that you accept what Jesus did on the cross for you, so that God will accept you into His kingdom, so that the Spirit will empower you to live a godly life." Right, that makes sense. We track, we can follow that, but instead, Paul moves backwards. Know that the spirit of wisdom is at work in you so you can live a godly life because the Father has accepted you into his kingdom because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? He moves backwards, and there's a reason for that. Paul is showing us that all this out here, the whole Christian life, the church, everything that you associate with being a Christian, all the good works that you do, um, all the, the, the committees that you serve on, all the ministries that you're involved in, um, uh, uh, all, the, all the, uh, the, the sermons that you listen to on, on your ear pods, all the songs that you sing, uh, yeah, all this Christian stuff, right, that is a part of your life. You have that. Because of what Jesus did. It all started with Jesus. All of everything. It all started with Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross. It all goes back to Jesus. Before all this other stuff that is so important now. That is so part of your, 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 your Christian life now. Before all of that. There was a moment when it was just you and Jesus, and what Jesus did for you, and it all grew out of that. Amen? It all started with Jesus. Not only that, Paul says, starting with verse 15, 
The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things on heaven and earth. In other words, not only did your spiritual life start with Jesus, the spiritual life of the entire universe started with Jesus. Jesus was there in the beginning. Everything was created through Jesus. He was there at the start. All of this, planets, stars, galaxies, uh, uh, Jay-Z albums, everything, right? All, just all the stuff that makes up your life, all the everything, it all goes back and started with Jesus, right? Why is that important? Because when we're looking at Jesus, we're looking at God. Paul, Jesus says, is the, no, Jesus, Paul says, is the image of the invisible God. Is the image of the invisible God in whom God's fullness was pleased to dwell. It all started with Jesus. It all goes back to Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is what God's face looks like. In other words, to see God, you need to stare directly into the sun. Right? You need to stare directly into the sun. The sun is the image of the invisible God. And when we, when we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when we read them and when we see what Jesus is like, we're seeing who God is. God reveals himself to us in Jesus. When we see Jesus um, uh, uh, weeping over his friend Lazarus, who has just died, even though he knows he has the power to reverse it, right? But he's still taking this moment to weep. We see how God's heart breaks for us in our small tragedies. When we see Jesus uh, uh, kicking the money changers out of the temple with that whip of cords and saying, you brutal vipers, you hypocrites, we see God's anger, like our own false piety and our own duplicitousness. I think that's a word. When we see, when we see Jesus uh, standing over the woman who has been accused of adultery and, and all those people with their rocks getting ready to, to throw them at her, and he challenges them and they walk away, and he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We see God's heart for every sinner right there. We stare directly into the sun and we see who God is. We see what God is like. Read the Gospels that way. Read the Gospels that way and see what God is like. 
Our God does have a face. Our God does have a name. And He walked this earth 2,000 years ago. And He showed us what He is like. And He's going to show us what He's like this morning. At the table. We're going to see that God is a God who breaks Himself open for His people. Who pours out His blood for His people. Think about that for a second. Every other God in existence in the ancient world, here's how it worked. They were up there in heaven behind a cloud somewhere, minding their own business. And it was your job to wake them up and get their attention. Sometimes you could do this with song and dance. Sometimes that wasn't enough. Sometimes you, if you really wanted to get the God's attention, you had to tempt them with a good meal, right? And so, so you, would, uh, you, you, would, you would sacrifice an animal on the altar. The, the pleasing aromas would rise to heaven and the gods would wake up. Sometimes the gods were mad at you. And you knew they were mad at you because, because the earth shook the other day or, or a fire came up uh, through, through a hole in the ground. And it's like, oh, the gods are mad at us. Right? And so you, you would figure out what you'd done that, that offended them, and then you would kill an animal and, and say, Please, this is in place of me. Don't be angry anymore. Right? Or you, or you needed rain. And you knew there was a guy up there that was in charge of that. And so you went to your sacred text and, and, and you tried and figured out what that God liked to eat. Right? And then you would put that on the altar and you would break that open and say, here, take this, make it rain. You're always trying to get the gods to wake up. Or if they were angry, go back to sleep. Right? It was one or the other. And, and you were constantly pouring something out or, or, or spilling some blood or, 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 or giving some flesh to appease that God, to wake them up from their slumber. And sometimes when the singing and dancing didn't work, when, 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 when the lambs didn't work, Israel's neighbors, sometimes they would sacrifice one of their children. Not a lot, but like when things were really dire, that is something that they would do. We worship a God who is not like that. God ending all of that. God, God did this upside down sacrifice, this upside down atonement thing where he said, I'm breaking myself. I'm spilling my blood to wake you up. To wake you up. Because I, God, am not the one that needs to change. You are the one that needs to change. And so God offers himself on the altar for his people. Instead of the people offering themselves on the altar for their God. That's what God is like. And we only see that when we stare directly into the sun. We see as 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We see a God that loved the world so much that he gave. He gave himself so that we could have life. There's a sense in which it's true. There's a sense in which it's true that God is immortal, invisible, God only wise, by light and accessible, hid from our eyes. We wouldn't sing it if it weren't true in a way. But God in his mercy and his grace and his compassion said, you want to know what I'm like? You want to know what I'm like? I'll show you. And then there was a star in a barn some year where a little baby started crying. And he walked this earth. And by everything he did, he demonstrated to us what he is truly like. And we only see that when we stare into the sun. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.